the Bible Study Podcast, episode 282. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study on the fundamentals of Christianity. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we continue this study, we have done five sessions so far, and you may have noticed a particular pattern that I've been trying to establish, where we talked about something that's been given to us and then a response from us. So we talked about being given love and expected to love, about being forgiven and expected to forgive. Last time we talked about being given grace, and we're going to look at the flip side of that. What we're going to focus in on is... As we are called to be graceful people, and I mean people who are full of grace and full of mercy, as we look at other people, we are called not to be judgmental about them, but to look at them with love, as we talked about previously. But we're going to focus in on that issue of wanting to judge others and wanting to compare ourselves to others. And one of the reasons I wanted to focus in on that is that this is one of those fundamentals of our faith that I think we do particularly badly. I'd say that sometimes the most judgmental communities that I've seen have been communities of faith. And I hope that that has not been your experience. And it's certainly not been my experience in all communities. But it's certainly what a lot of people see when they see the church. And so I want to focus in on some of the verses that talk about judging others and how we are called specifically not to, and then also some other verses that we're called to deal with those who are being unfaithful within the church. And both sets of verses are uncomfortable, and they're uncomfortable in very different ways, and I think we do them both badly if that's at all possible. So we'll look at some of the obvious verses first, and that's Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think this is a verse that is very familiar and certainly uncomfortable. But part of the problem, I think, with this verse is we don't see ourselves in this as a rule, I think. I think we see other people in this, but we don't tend to see where we do that. And I think it's because we are blind as Basically, Jesus is saying, he's saying you're blind to your own shortcomings. It is a rare person who has a good friend or a family member who loves them enough to, in love, approach them and say, here's an area where you fall short or where you fall into sin, and do that in a way that is non-judgmental but is full of love. That is a very difficult skill and not one that we practice. More often in our society, we tend to cut each other down, and that is specifically what Jesus is not looking for. Remember, we're putting this in the context of that we are loved by a God who has given us his favor when we don't deserve it. That we are nothing special, that God did not say, you know, hey, Chris, I really like you. I think you're smarter than all the people around you. I think you're better than all the people around you. And I'm really looking for kind of an assistant God, if you would. That is not our contract. Our contract is, you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but 
You've been covered with the blood of Jesus, and therefore I'm looking at you and I'm seeing the righteousness of Jesus. When we look at others, we are called to look at them with God's eyes. Not called to see how far they have fallen, but called to see someone whom God loves. Now, this is obviously something that is near and dear to me as I do work in the prisons, as I do work in juvenile hall, because I work with people who are there almost always because they have done something bad. And since I'm in a lockdown unit for violent youth offenders, quite often something heinous. I've worked with people, I've worked with kids who are there because they stabbed their pastor or killed their father. So as I look at them, it would be very easy for me to see them as a product of what they do. Most often, we don't even talk about what they do because that's not why I'm there. I'm there because God loves them, and I'm there because God has not given up on them, just as God did not give up on me. So I am not called to be the judge. They will have to stand before a judge. Most of them will end up doing time, some of them 40 years worth of time. That is not my role. It doesn't mean that judgment isn't appropriate. It's not what I'm called to do. And I think that that is where we get confused sometimes as we see someone who deserves judgment and we think that that is our role. Our role is to call people to forgiveness, and our role is to call people to salvation and to call people to righteousness and to love them in the kingdom, not criticize them or judge them into the kingdom. For one thing, I don't think you'll find that's really going to work that well. How do you even know if you're blind to your own shortcomings? That's a difficult question. Certainly, you could ask someone who loves you what your shortcomings are. If you're married, you'll probably find someone who is glad to tell you your shortcomings. But it is difficult, and I think it takes some soul-searching. It takes some time spent in the Bible to figure out where we are vulnerable, where places where we fall short, and to remember that as we deal with others, this, that God doesn't love us anymore, that God doesn't think we're any more special, and to look at them as God would look at them. Moving over to Romans 2, 1 through 4, God's righteous judgment. You, therefore, have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else. For at what point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Same sort of thing here. You are not called to be your judge. You are not called to be someone's judge, nor am I. And this is in that passage of Romans, the first two and a half verses, where Paul is building a case that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He deals with the sins of the Gentiles in chapter 1, certainly the one that most people pull out is homosexuality. But then this is the start of chapter 2 saying, now hang on a second, you're condemning other people. And then he starts talking about the sins of the Jews, and he leads up again to that verse in Romans 3, that is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is not to say that anything I do or don't do is not a sin, but that I don't, as I look at someone else, have any grounds to look at myself as better than where they are, as more deserving of the grace of God than they are. 
Romans 14 talks about some of the particular things that people were doing. People were already at this time, and this is the first century, already starting to divide up the church into little camps. These would eventually turn into different denominations over the course of centuries. But it started this way. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat the with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, Surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Some of the issues that were starting to divide even the early church were two particular issues. One is that as they were Jewish Christians, they were celebrating the Sabbath day, Saturday. And then as they became Christians, they were also celebrating the Lord's day or Sunday. And so we start to get it a question early on of which days are holy. And as you know, most Christians celebrate Sunday and some people like Seventh-day Adventists, for instance, still celebrate Saturday because they say Saturday is the Sabbath. Well, this verse says, yeah, whatever. This verse says, if you think Saturday is the most holy day, then great. If you think all days are the same, then great. But do so for God and don't be judging one another. They were also having problems with being vegetarian. And part of the reason for that, we have to understand, is at the time, your local butcher shop was probably the back end of a pagan temple. And that meat that you were eating was probably sacrificed to an idol. And if you wanted to eat meat that was not sacrificed to an idol, you needed to kill your own meat or you needed to be a vegetarian and not eat meat at all. And so that's one of the issues that Paul deals with in several places, which is, should you eat meat or not? And here he says, it doesn't really matter as long as you're fully convinced that you're doing the right thing, as long as you're not doing something, but you think it's the wrong thing. And don't be judging somebody else who's doing something differently. Sometimes as Christians, we have criticized each other over when to baptize, over whether to drink wine or not to drink wine, or lots of different little issues. And he's saying here, you are not called to judge. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? It'd be like me walking into a different business that I don't work for and trying to write someone's review. That would just be ludicrous. They report to their boss. They report to the owner. We also report to our boss, who is God. And I don't report to you, nor you to me, and we are not called to judge one another. Now, while that's true, we also have from the same author these words. 
I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to tell you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Now, this is a verse that we also don't do very well, and it seems completely in contrast with everything I've just read. How can that be? And also, how can we be so bad at both? How can it be that we who are called not to judge judge too much. And yet when we read a verse like this, we think, oh my goodness, I could never do this. This certainly seems wrong to me, is the natural response of a lot of people. And yet when Paul deals with it here, he's talking about that you as the body, governed by people who are raised up to lead the body of Christ, need to deal with how you will look to people in the sense of, are you being faithful to the mission? that you were granted? Are you being faithful to the message that we proclaim? And he says that sometimes it may be appropriate to stop associating with someone who is trying to lead a double life. That is a difficult word also. We kind of want to live in the in-between. We kind of want to live in the place where we criticize people behind their back and we judge them secretly and quietly when they're not around, but we don't confront them if there's someone who is stuck in sin and we don't want to give them the opportunity for repentance and forgiveness. And that does them no good either. It's as if I raised a child and I'm trying to find a middle ground here between not being someone who is always picking on them, who when they take their first step says, well, that's not very good. You're a very bad walker. You certainly wouldn't do that of a child who's taking their first steps. You would understand that they will get better. And you would treat them with love and you would celebrate the steps that they take. And on the other hand, you wouldn't want to be the parent who, when their child is doing something terribly wrong, does not want to correct them. Because that is not love either. To leave them in a place where they are subject to the judgment of God because they have committed a sin or are living in or clinging to sin is also not love. And we are called to be graceful people. We are called to look for the best in one another, but also to work for the best for one another. And with that, we're going to bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, which you might, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. If you enjoy this show, you might check out my other show. I do a travel show called Amateur Traveler, which is up for a podcast award. You can vote for it if you listen to that one at podcastawards.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children. And especially as a woman, 
I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.